Hi, I'm Anthony Mindel. Welcome to In the Moment, a podcast on acting, art, and life. In this series, I'm talking to AMAW alumni, students, and clients about the challenges of acting and the joys of creating in the 21st century. For more information, go to anthonymindel.com, or you can also find us on iTunes and SoundCloud. I hope you enjoy. On today's episode, Tony chats with casting director Seth Yankowitz about tips on how to nail it in the audition room. Actors asked him questions about the nature of casting and where the industry might be heading during COVID-19. Please note this live Zoom was held on May 21st, 2020, before the Black Lives Matter protests had begun. So there's no mention of this important and necessary movement in this recorded conversation. Please also note, due to technical difficulties, the recording didn't start until five minutes into the live Zoom session. So I went to the school after my first semester and I was like, I don't want to do this. And they were like, great, take a math or science class and we'll put you in the other school. And I was like, I'm sorry, did you say math and science? (laughs) And they were like, yeah. And I was like, I'll stay in the acting program. And so that was sort of, I then... (laughs) I'll say suffered through, but it wasn't really suffering. I was in New York City. It was amazing. You know, I took, like, great playwriting and reading classes, learned about the history of acting and theater and had Broadway at my fingertips. So it was it was a long five semesters, I will say, um, until your sixth semester when you can do an internship. And I went up to the third floor in the Tisch building to the the Dean's floor. And that's where you like flip through a small three ring binder and read a paragraph of, you know, all 72 um, internships that are available to you. And you, I read it and one sounded cool and I got it and it was at Liz Lewis casting. And so that was my sixth semester, which was spring my junior year um and i instantaneously fell in love um like within two weeks i was like oh this is my calling i mean it was love at first sight and i never left i spent spring semester there i convinced them to hire me as the receptionist over the summer I made $420, actually I made $370 as the receptionist a week. Then I told NYU I was doing an internship again in the fall, but I was really working. Um, And I stayed on in the fall, which was my final semester, because I was graduating a semester early from high school credits. And I got promoted, I think I was still the 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 receptionist but I I remember before as an assistant when I finally got promoted to assistant I was making $420 a week that's that's amazing that is amazing (laughs) (laughs) um I tried to live on $420 a week in New York City City. taxes um uh so um yeah I stayed there for three years um uh, I w- I worked my way all the way up to casting director. I sort of became the youngest commercial casting director working on like the biggest campaigns for like Doug Lyman and David LaChapelle. Um, you know, when Volkswagen in 1998 relaunched their cars, 
I did the commercial campaign. <clears throat> anyway, so <clears throat> I, I was doing a Pepto-Bismol commercial. I auditioned 100 30 to 40-year-old men from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. And at 6 p.m. I walked out of the acting studio and I gave my two weeks notice because I was like, if I have to watch grown men get nauseous for the rest of my career, I will go crazy. I mean, I was early 20s, you know? So I gave my two weeks notice. Um, another casting director who had freelance, she was doing two Heineken commercials and two independent movies when... Independent movies were really in, 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 in indies yes. at like $500,000 a budget, right? And it was sort of the rise of the indie. And I convinced her, she was like, I think I can pay your assistant salary or your associate salary through all four projects. And I was like, great, fine, sold. So we worked out of her West Village apartment. She made breakfast. I'm pretty sure it was like, you know, 240 square feet. Um <clears throat> And by default, she got called to do the East Coast search for a kid in a Disney movie. And she was like, I think we're too busy. And I was like, I don't know anything about anything, but when they call, that means you're approved. We have to take it. And I mean, I don't even know where I came up with that language, but I was like, I'll do it. I had just done a huge... Um, commercial for like whatever the telecommunications company in New York was, um, you know, like Comcast or, or Time Warner. And it was a kid's baseball team. So like I literally had just auditioned hundreds and hundreds of kids in this age range. So we went through the auditions. I did it. We had an open call. She did the open call with me. Like Donna Morong, the vice president of feature casting for Disney came out at the time for a callback and was like, ooh, I don't think there's anyone here. We had a couple more sessions. Marsha Ross, the executive uh -huh. vice president of casting for Disney for many, many, many years, came, came out and she was like, guys, I think you're missing, you, you don't have it. And so we were standing in the callback room, Donna, Marsha, me, Jen Sauer, and I walked up to them and I was like, um, you guys are missing the kid. And they were like, like you could hear their head spinning because I was in the game of like casting. I wasn't even on the chart because I was the assistant to the East Coast search casting director. It was like, I might as well have not even been in the room. And they were like, I'm sorry, like, who are you? What are you saying? And I'm like, look, you missed the kid. Like he was here yesterday. He's a year younger than we're looking for, but he's the kid. Wow. And they were like, well, you better get him back here tomorrow for a work session. So we got him back, and then John Turtletaub, the director of the movie, came the next day. And <clears throat> the long and the short of it is, the movie was called The Kid. Spencer Breslin was the kid that I pushed who wound up getting the movie. And what wound up happening was the women at Disney took a liking to me because I saved their butts. And um, they, initial, they then, a year later... After I sort of said, like, hey, I live in Los Angeles now, which I didn't really, um, but I said I did. They got me my first interview with one of the grand dames of casting. Her name's Bonnie Timmerman. Um, and she became my first boss. And my first movie was Pearl Harbor for Jerry Bruckheimer and Michael Bay. 
And that started my career in Los Angeles. I then did like Pearl Harbor, Black Hawk Down, Spy Game. So right away I got like a crazy education and a crazy education on foreign actors. It was really the start of like Australians and English folk coming to Los Angeles. Um, and, and then I sort of, my career timeline goes, I was with her for three years, then Fox on the feature side came after me and I was the manager of feature casting for 20th Century Fox. Then I left there, then jumped around for a minute, got my start in comedy casting with Rick Montgomery doing Stuck on You. Um, then I became partners with this casting director, Jewel Bestrop, who sort of taught me comedy casting, like as an art form, when we worked on movies like, you know, The Breakup with with Vince Vaughn and Jen Aniston. Um, I did Drill Bit Taylor for Judd Apatow. We worked with Ben Stiller a lot in both TV and film. Um, You know, I did Four Christmases. And then sort of like the culmination was The Hangover, um, we did a couple movies for Todd Phillips, um, Project X, and um, then I did, I got New Girl, the pilot, Jewel did another pilot, although we worked together still, um, but I focused on New Girl, and then I got Rock of Ages, the movie, simultaneously, And then Fox Television Network came after me and I had wrapped everything. The summer was over and I decided I loved being in-house. So I took that job. I was the VP of casting at um, Fox Broadcasting for five and a half years. Then I left. Then I went back freelance. I did single parents bless this mess, which sadly today just got canceled after two seasons, but great shows. And then um, I did a a movie for Sandler for Netflix. And then I took the job at MGM as the executive vice president for, you know, film, TV and epics. And that was a good sort of almost two year run. And then sort of Corona has happened and, here we are, much like actors, you know, casting people find themselves looking for work. Mm-hmm. So it's all in the cards, however it plays out. But that's sort of my, as they say, qualification. Um, and, uh, <laughs> um, you know, I, I do sort of actor seminars only in Canada, really. And because uh, they're hard to sort of have them feel, you know, uh, 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 authentic. And my whole thing is Hmm. I don't, I'm not here other than to impart information I've learned along the way, you know? So yeah, that's me in a quick eight hour nutshell. No, I'm kidding. I mean, yeah, I feel like we, we had talked about next time I was going to go to Canada, bringing you up there and then the pandemic, you know what I mean? But um, we'll figure it out. But I just, I have a couple questions and then we can let the actors ask, but I'm sure this is on their mind. I have two things. One is maybe explain to actors on here who don't know like the difference between being an executive casting director. So you're overseeing casting right so it's a little bit different than being the casting director of a specific show which i know you also did but maybe explain that and then i have a follow-up 
So when you're the casting director, like on the line, you're doing, you know, you're auditioning actors in the room. Those are on the line casting directors, the, the nuts and bolts, the, the, the day players, the one liners, the, you know, um, the series regulars or the leads. When you're an executive, it's way ahead of that process. Um, and then you're overseeing those people. So, you know, say whenever everyone, there was a period where everyone would be like, yeah, I know they're just going to put a star in that role. But the truth is like those conversations were happening sometimes a year before the project was even announced, you know? So yes, um, it would be my job to attach uh, an actor or actress in the lead before the project is sold or as it's getting up its development legs. Like at Epics, um, right before I left, I attached Adrian Brody and Emily Hampshire in a series for Stephen King for Epics. So they're set. Then Stephanie Gorin, the Canadian casting director, because the show's going to shoot in Canada, like way up. She's Toronto, but like even, you know, north of there. Um, uh, she does like the day, everything else. So I attach the leads, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And then sometimes the casting director just does it all, you know, like, um, like for New Girl, I cast every single person, including Zoe Deschanel, like nobody was attached. So it just depends. Um, you know, Tom Cruise was attached to Rock of Ages before I got there. Um, some executive with Adam Shankman did that. So um, <clears throat> that's that's the difference. You know, there's a lot of like pre-work. You're you're reading scripts that they're maybe going to make. You're doing lists of actors who's out there checking the veils. It's a lot of like talking to agents. Like, what is this actor looking for? So if I read a script, I'm like, oh, so and so is looking for a rom com. We should talk about that person. Mm-hmm. It, stuff like that as an executive. So do you do you also oversee like who the company hires to be like the casting director of the specific show? Do you have a when say in that? When you're an executive, yes. Yeah. Oftentimes it depends on the company uh-huh. and how much control. MGM, we were very creator friendly. So Noah Hawley uses Rachel Tenner. I'm not, you know, um, and she's amazing. So you sort of are like, yes, of course. At Fox, we were a little more sort of oversaw. And then sometimes some are like new creators. And so it's my job to pair them up with the right casting director. Mm -hmm. So you set up three people you think they would be, you know, work well with and you make it happen. And then sometimes you sort of cast the casting director. I mean, I think the salient point about that that actors forget is casting directors are always hustling for a job as well. Like, you know, and I think actors for some reason forget that casting directors are humans and you relate to all the same things that an actor would, you know what I mean? Like it's not casting director versus the actor. Like, and, and I think like casting directors, we've heard this, over and over again, but I can't, I mean, I'm, I'm always saying the same thing, but casting directors want you to do really well and they want you to be as human as you can be. And you start to see like, Oh wow. Yeah. Because if, if the cat, if that actor doesn't come in and like make you look good, so to speak, like you have to answer to other people, including 
people who are under you who are casting for a show that your company is overseeing. You know what I mean? So I think actors forget about that. So like two parts to that, I'll go backwards. There's there at the end of every producer session, literally if an actor tanks, God forbid they have a bad day. That is like the one thing a producer will be like, uh, like, I can't believe you brought them in. And you're like, really? Like, just because they had a bad day, yeah. like, they're amazing. Like, everyone has a shit day. And yeah. then you turn to the producer and you're like, you're an ass today. So <laughs> you sort of, like, throw it back at them. But, um, yeah, I mean, I always, anytime I do these or talk to young actors, I'm like, here's the deal. Like, I have to audition for jobs. Like, yes, you get some offer, too. Like, I got an animated Netflix show offered to me today. That's amazing. But I'm also, like, going to interview for an ABC show. Like, I have to do it. So you, you know, you decide like what you want to do, how you want to present yourself. Like I've always been a hustler in terms of work. Like I've never sort of slowed down. I've never let it come to me or just think it's going to come to me. So I'm constantly like, you know, what your version of like, stapling resumes on your headshots and sending postcards and, you know, going through getting auditions. Like it's, uh, <clears throat> we, we have to do it. We have to do it. I, I, the story I always tell is this. When I got the call for new girl to meet with Liz Merriweather and Catherine Poe, I had, I chased it because Liz Merriweather did a pilot that didn't go called sluts. Mm-hmm. And it was her first show. It was Fucking genius. It was hysterical. Pardon my language. Sorry. Um, And I wanted to work with her. So I knew that they were interviewing other casting directors too. Um, And I basically cast the whole show on paper, had my interview, and I was at Fox. And by the time I got home, which was in West Hollywood, my phone rang and they were like, it's Catherine Pope and Liz Merriweather. And I was like, okay. And so they were like, hi, we really liked you. We're just a little concerned that, you know, you don't necessarily, uh, like, we really want, like, UCB actors and grounding people. And I just started rambling off all of the UCB players at the time. Because I knew what they wanted was something Fox wasn't necessarily going to let them cast. So I presented sort of like the TV version of the show versus like the cool kids comedy version. So once I like went through and like rattled off all the names of like the cool comedy people, which now are like they call the big stars of comedy, um, they were like, okay, you know what you're talking about. And that's how I got the job, you know? But like, I literally had to like dance for my food. (laughs) Yeah. Improvise as fast as you can, basically. Seriously. Yeah, no, it really is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my last thing, and then I'll, I'll take some of these questions. When we met, I think we met at that backstage, uh, remember? That was, remember that? Yeah. Ba- I think that's... Yeah, April Webster. That's right. Oh my gosh, that's right. Yeah. And I love that you were mentioning some of these older casting directors from like early 2000s in New York, because I've forgotten about some of them. But um, memories. But the story that I love about you, and this is again, something that I'm always trying to re- have actors remember and not give up hope, is that, uh, remind me, sorry, uh, Zoom brain, uh, the one of the leads on um, New Girl, the guy, uh, Max Greenfield. Yes, Max. 
So your story for, for the actors, if they're not familiar, like you knew of Max's work for a long time and he came in and he read for something and you really liked him, but he never got any of the shows that you were casting. But you always remembered him because I'm always trying to advocate. You're not auditioning for a job. You're auditioning for your career. And right. an actor may not be right for something or the studio passes or all these variables that actors have no control over. But obviously right. they're doing the work and you get fans, as Lady Gaga would say, and there may be 99 in the room and all it takes is one and the one is Bradley. So you were his Bradley and he was going to quit acting. And then you're like, hey, I got this show and you should come in and read. And then the rest is history, right? Yeah, so what happens is, I mean, you might know more. I didn't know he was going to quit acting, but... I thought you told me that. I thought he was... Or maybe I read something after that where he was like, this no, was like... I, the, the person who was going to quit acting was... Harrison uh, Ford. No. Meryl Streep. They all no. are going to quit. No, they all... Mark Ruffalo. They were all going to quit before they got the job. Do you know when, that? <laughs> when I was doing Eastbound and Down... Oh, okay, yeah. Um, the, our, the actress who played April... Um, who's now, you know, American housewife. She had been let go of a Broadway show in previews. Okay. Sorry, my son was like, tickling my nose. She was going to be let go. She had just gotten let go and she was in New York and her manager called and was like, have you auditioned her? And I was like, no, like that Latin girl. And he's like, she's not Latin. I'm like, well, then she has a bad headshot and get her in my office. Um, because this was like a, like, North Carolina country girl, like, you know, um, and she came in and was gonna literally was like done. done. She was like toast. I'm out. But Max, the story is sort of, I had known him, you were right and all that. And he was like, um, I knew he could do the part. Um, but they were like checking all of my producer session sheets because they wanted to make sure like it was the comedy snobs. So I snuck him in to my second producer session and he came in and nailed it. Mm. And then Jay Kasdan, um, who went on to direct the pilot, mm -hmm. who was in New York, saw the tapes and was like, and then everyone like sort of went bonkers for him. And for a while he was the person to beat. Um, and then it was like, why are we even trying to beat it? I love that story. And yeah, I, mean, I, I mean, it was pretty awesome. That was certainly like a big proud moment for me. And obviously like Schmidt and that character will go on forever. Just, you know, and he's now a big, big, big TV star and everything. So, yeah. Um, all right. Let me, let me uh, open up to the gallery. Um, Ashley, how about Ashley? But Ashley, you're not in South Africa. You're still stuck in New York, aren't you? Are you still in New York? Yeah, I'm in Arizona now. Oh, you're in Arizona. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, Amazing. So, Ash, ask, go ahead and ask, because I think, because you also represent, you know, an international, you're an international actor, and I think it's always great to get insight about yeah. being somewhere else other than L.A. or New York. So, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's really useful. Thanks uh, for doing this, uh, Seth and Tony. Of course. And it's great to be able to ask you know, what is, um, my question was, you know, what are, with self-tapes and everything happening these days, when people are sitting in places like South Africa, Australia, London, what are the chances of them uh, booking stuff without their O1? And, you know, I know production houses will go ahead and get, their, get that done, but what, how often are we seeing it, basically, recently? That's what I'm asking. Well, I don't, here's the truth. The COVID... Yeah, 
is uh, I don't have like the proper COVID twist answer to that pre pre pandemic. I would say as long as there's enough time, it never mattered in my world. Okay. Like when I was this last, this most current season of Fargo that is still shooting or will finish, um, there is an Italian actors component. Mm-hmm. And we had to get like four or five act- Italian actors, O1 visas. So it's usually TV episodic. It's too hard because of the time. Okay. Um, but for series regulars, say during pilot season, although that sort of got all messed up, but you know, if there's maybe like a five or six episode arc in two months of the season and they have time, it's not an issue. You know, independent movies might not have the money to do it. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I, I, I know there are like rumors or certain studios won't do it anymore, but I also feel like they bend their rules. I think they just try to dissuade because then it's so much extra money, but I haven't really heard of them not doing it, you know? I mean, that was a question. Sorry, I was going to jump in. That was a question somebody on Instagram also asked. And I think it is always that, well, Oh one or no Oh one, but you know, I know this is a lot less money, but you know, I was Taft Hartley for my first job and you know, they still Taft Hartley people. And basically that was a lot of money back then for whatever it was at relatively. So I guess my point is, is if somebody really likes you, it's just like anything and they they're willing to pay for it. The money is always there. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. Awesome. Y'all don't believe me. Y'all are like, um, okay. (laughs) The project can dictate that. Well, that's true. Yes. Like, you know, uh, an under $5 million movie might not be able to that is spend $50,000 yes. just to get an L1 with yeah. Boyer in a short period of time. Yeah, that's right. So that's all. Um, thanks, Ash. you have another question or are you good? I do have another yeah, question. Sorry. It was, it was, it's geared towards um, comedy auditions. And I just wanted to know, um, what is your best piece of advice specifically for com- comedy auditions and what, what are like the cringe no's that you see and like fall like, oh my gosh, next? Because I'm sure you see wild things in comedy auditions. Yeah. Um, well, being funny in a comedy audition is always good. <laughs> but, um, but, but. That's you know, hard though for some people. You know what I mean? He, yes. Some people are. don't have the comedy gene and that's okay, I'm always saying. Then gravitate toward drama. Yeah, yeah, there's a whole nother world. That's it. Um, There's plenty of work. So one hour. (laughs) But sometimes even like people who are dramatic actors with the right writing, you know, Mm. can be funny. It's sort of how they discovered like Al Pacino or, you know, like could be funny. Like, um, but anyway... What I would say is do not, you can tell when someone is being inauthentic Mm. or trying Trying. to be funny. Yeah. Like, or copying comedy styles of right now from shows, because if you don't have the sort of, um, sort of, not ebb and flow, but the, you know, like how it's said and you're trying to mimic it, it's never going to come out right. 
you know, it's going to sound uncomfortable. Like way before probably everyone on this screen, except for a couple of people, when Jen Aniston at the beginning of Friends got really famous because of Friends, you saw it and it was at the start of my career. Everyone started acting like Friends actors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Everyone, all the girls started acting the way the girls on that show spoke. <laughs> and it was this like weird, like sing-songy up and down like it was just weird and so everyone was doing it and then it didn't work and then people were like not getting jobs who were good actors because they were trying to copy Jen Henderson the equivalent of that is today it's like the Kardashians sorry that was my attempt at comedy I would not get cast in Seth's office he'd be like next you can do that that on TikTok (laughs) exactly maybe we should talk about that different platforms in which you might find actors but we'll come back to that let me I think this is an interesting question from Milo because I'm wondering if this has to do with graduating from like conservatory school or drama school so Milo are you on here yeah, there you are. Right here. Go ahead, Milo. Um, so, not necessarily for conservatory, because honestly, I just graduated with a degree in engineering. Oh, okay. I've been performing on and off for Disney for years, so I've kind of just been back and forth between school and performing internationally. Um, but those of us finally graduating, even those who are actually in traditional conservatory schools, into this kind of day and age, especially now that self tapes are such a big thing, I'm just wondering what's the best way to even build a resume or even get notice because moving to LA is not really an option right now. Most people are quarantined at home because jobs aren't there. So like, you know, the nest is the best place to be. So I just want to know what's the best way to hone your craft and get yourself noticed. Great question. Really good question. Almost a trick question. (laughs) Um, Only because like, like it's, I would have had like a great answer for you two and a half months ago. Um, you know, I, I think like, <clears throat> read books on acting, watch every single movie, watch every single Academy Award winning movie, watch every, you know, major television groundbreaking show from the past two decades, you know, um, all in the family, Sopranos, like, um, Nurse Jackie, like, educate yourself on different styles of acting. Um, the actors you love, watch their work. I <clears throat> I was friends, I'm friends with, um, and sort of grew up in the business with an agent. His name's Doug Lechterhand, who's with WME. And when I was a casting director with Jewel Bestrop, he was sort of making the rise as a, as a young agent. And he was studying career choices of the bigger actors throughout their history in order to figure out how to sort of map out his young clients' choices. And I thought that was genius and, like, really, really both artistic and business savvy. You know what I mean? So there's a reason... Robert De Niro has been around for, you know, four decades or Denzel Washington has, or Tom Hanks went from bosom buddies to two time Academy award winning. Like there's, there's a reason like, you know, 
or like Christina Applegate played what she played on Married with Children and is now doing what she's doing on Dead to Me. You know, um, there's choices. Like, I think it's important, you know. I, I, it's funny, I just had this conversation to digress because I do often about myself. Like, I used to be like, yes, I'm taking the job. Because, like, you never know when the next one's going to come or not. And when you're an independent, much like actors, you're so panicked to not make money. But for the first time, like, as people are now like, hey, what do you want to do? And they're like, like, I I got called, like, do you want to meet on this show that's been on the air for a really long time? The casting directors left. We would love for you to do it. And I was like, you know, I've never really watched the show and it's been on a really long time, and I probably am not a good fit for that type of show, so I'm dying to work with you all, you know, like, much love and respect, but I I just, I want to do a good job for you in the right area. So... Now we all want to know what that show is. God damn it. No, and I mean, it's an amazing show. It's literally been on for a decade, so... It has nothing to do with the show at all. It's just, I don't, I don't, it's not what I want to do. But anyway, regardless, like, I, um, I, I guess, like, you know, you know, this is sort of basic, but, you know, Uta Hagen's respect for act- acting, Stanislavski, Bolislavski, like, Jersey Grotowski, like, read all the books. Like, if you're sitting at home and you can't audition anyway, like, you might as well, I mean, Sanford Meisner on acting. I mean, Tony's book, like, I know, I mean, he's like, every book you shouldn't read from him. <laughs> There's but a lot it, of Russians there, but I love the Russians. You decide that you don't like it. I just think it might. No, 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 it's good. All learning is, yeah, no, it's all helpful. It's all knowledgeable. You can get one thing out of it. Absolutely. No, absolutely. And And also, you know, that's something I was doing this uh, Zoom with a whole bunch of Aussies the other day. We were talking about how much um, our understanding of acting has changed, conversations about acting has changed, and also the demands for actors and what we're seeing nowadays is not the same as it was, obviously. It can't be. It has to keep evolving. So to see sometimes really great... (laughs) books written 50, 60, 100 years ago, bless you. It's yeah. really great to see how our art form has changed. Do you know what I mean? Here's what I'll have to say. To get a job on a single camp comedy, there is no book from those people that can prepare you for this type of acting when a director or a showrunner in another room is like, hey, can you say it like this? That's right. Hey, can you say it like that? Like that. Just, That's like, right. Say, like, the same line eight times. That's right. So the truth be told, like probably what Anthony's teaching you is way more relevant than Bolislavsky's six lessons. Like I love that you pulled that out of your ass from like, I mean, like college. Saying, like, they don't even know who Bolislavsky is. Yeah. Well, <laughs> anyway, read the book. Um, okay. It's hilarious. And, and then my only other thing to answer your question in a long winded way is, you're, if you don't have an agent, then you're not going to get auditions right now. I have no idea how backstage or Actors Access is going to handle what's about to come. Mm-hmm. So keep training how you can train, and then you're literally going to have to stay up on deadline and in the trades in all the ways that if you were a non-represented actor, 
pre-COVID could get work, you're good. There, there will be the same version. You know, I was talking to um, the Cassie executive on the show that I'm going to, you know, meet on. And I was like, so we're not like going into offices anymore, right? She's like, no, no. So they have, I think it's WeCasting or something where it's basically like Zoom, mm-hmm. but it'll be me like this. It'll be the producer like Anthony, and then there'll be a waiting room for actors right. virtually, and yeah. then one by one they'll come in, and you'll I'll read with you like this, and the producer you'll see him in the window, and that's how casting's going to be for a while, or self self tapes, yeah, right, yeah. So it's gonna be bananas for a bit. It's gonna be weird. It's gonna be more work for casting directors because we're gonna have to like dig through uncomfortable weird auditions um but what i will tell you it will be training for those moments when you get your first job with a really famous actor who doesn't do coverage and you have to act you have to act with a tennis ball <laughs> get four of those movies whoa i'm gonna i'm gonna dm you later um yeah. christian let's because i think it's a good segue because we just talked about what seth was talking about like self tapes and the nature of the business so ask your question about self-taping and the art of the audition. I think it's always the same answer, but I'm curious to hear how Seth will answer. Thanks so much for doing this, Seth and Tony. Um, Yeah, I I just wanted to ask, um, you know, one of my favorite things uh, to come out of quarantine has definitely been figuring out and and hearing from casting directors and how they, their preferences. So I just wanted to know. Oh, there he is. Wait, Christian, you disappeared. You muted. You muted yourself. Can you hear me? Yes, now we can hear you. Okay. Uh, Yeah, I just wanted to know, yeah, in terms of your preferences when it comes to um, reels and submissions, uh, what do you look for? You know, what what really stands out for you? And, uh, yeah, sort of your preferences when it comes to that. You know, it's funny. I I was trained by a woman who was in every single pre-read audition, um, and it took me till two years when I was doing single parents and left this mess. Actually, I was doing single parents and another pilot called the Untitled Justin Noble, which didn't go that year. But between those two shows, I was just physically unable to be in the room for every pre read. It was the first time I ever allowed my associates to do pre-reads and Ben who's my was my associate who then became the manager of casting at MGM who's now gonna sort of be my partner in my new venture I I never let anyone audition actors for me because I was like that's my job like that's what I do how will I know how to pick them but it, I, I had to and I had to look at rules and I had to just call people in just based on a reel, not even like I like their reel and then a pre-read and then a producer session. So look, I mean, you have to know what you're going out for to watch you do, you know, Henry the fourth for a single camp comedy. It's going to be a little hard. Um, I'm not a fan of like your scenes with your friends. Um, I- I'm always a fan of like, Produced material, like properly produced material. Um, 
Because what I would rather do is just call you in for a pre-read based on what you look like or theater you've done than see a bad demo reel. That's me. You know, every casting director is going to have their thing. But, like... Seth, what about, like, just a good self-tape? I agree, kind of, like, reels that don't really showcase you or are not well done. Like, just a really great... yeah. Sometimes agents will call and they'll be like, look, this actor, can I just have them self-tape for you? And I'm like, of course. Anybody who wants to put in the effort to send me a self-tape is 100% welcome to do it. I mean, that's... Thank you, Christian. That's a great uh, question. And uh, Thanks, Mary Charles, that's a good follow-up. So uh, her question, I'll let her answer, ask it. Oops, I just pinned Christian. Hold on. Um, sorry. Hi. Mary Charles, where are you? There you are. I know where you are. Okay. Go ahead and ask your question about how do you get in to see someone if you don't have an agent? Okay. Um, Well, my questions were, (laughs) uh, how often do you allow actors to send you their materials, which you just briefly mentioned? Um, And then do you you hold open call submissions? Or um, if actors have representation and, you know, they're still, their job and submitting their clients, are there other ways for actors to personally get the chance to audition for you or meet you in person? Great um, question. Great question. A lot of layers to it. So a couple <laughs> of, um, there's certain, there's many factors. There's certain <laughs> that if they call, I'm going to, I'm going to meet, read, audition their clients. Okay. Then if I see people in things, I'm notorious in my career for watching commercials till like 11 o'clock at night and texting my staff being like, guy on a bike in a AT&T commercial and he falls off, find that guy. And then I'll bring him in for something. Um, so I do a lot of like commercial sort of hunting. And it's because I started out in the commercial casting world and like, you know, a lot of the people I used to audition commercially are like now huge, big comedy and TV actor stars. So they, it, it is a natural progression. Um, <clears throat> um, I don't necessarily have open calls when I was an independent because I just would wait for the right project. I feel like an open call for the sake of an open call isn't fair. Um, I'd rather wait till I have something um, and then see a lot of people, you know? Um, So that answers that part. In terms of actors not represented, yeah, I mean, I I don't care in the end. So oftentimes if it's a role that you have to dig and search and hunt and find, like, you just got to do it as the casting director and Again, it sort of ties into Ashley's. Like, if I want you, I'm going to owe one you. I'm going to Taft-Hartley you. I'm not going to... If I need to find someone, I got to find them. Like, I can't just always go with, like, who are actors... I mean, agents submitting or what's in actors' access. Like, I have to dig and find. I've Maybe once or twice I've, like, given an waiter my business card because like I'm looking for something different I find it hard to like street cast 
Okay. What about TikTok cast or Instagram cast? I don't know that I work in that media. Right <laughs> <now>. <laughs> to me in, I mean, for my kid and he yeah. loves it, great. Yeah, I get it. But like, I'm, look, I, won, I did two shows before I went to MGM. One called Grad Night, or I think it was... I don't know what the t- eventual title was. It was on Hulu. It was Awesomeness TV for Hulu. It was originally called Brad Knight. Um, and it had a lot of influencers mm-hmm. in it. Mm-hmm. Because that's why Hulu hired Awesomeness TV to make it. Mm-hmm. So I made a deal when I took the job that they were not going to just force me to hire influencers who couldn't act we at least had to make sure they could act so that nobody was embarrassed or the movie wasn't painful to watch. And I, <clears throat> I auditioned every single influencer, truly, at the time. Every single one. Jimmy Tatra, like, like all of them. Every single one. And the show came out really good. Like, there were some rough spots, yes. Um, but, like, I have to say, we all found the best of the best on that you know, and the show was really, really cute and came out really well. So I think like, obviously influencers or TikTok is the new influencer per se, you know? Um, so who knows what'll come from it, but like, is my friend Everett, who's like doing sit-ups on TikTok, getting cast in anything I do? <laughs> I what about YouTube? I have a YouTube channel and I create my own content. I edit and I publicize that, um, but. Keep going, girl. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, right. look, no, creating right. content and doing it is absolutely you should, and it may pay off. I don't know what you do on your YouTube channel. What? What? I'll tell you a little story. When I was at Fox, you know, Vine was a thing, and oh, <clears throat> yeah, I missed it. Josh <laughs> Beck, who in his own right was an actor. And a big actor. You know, he was a big Nickelodeon star, Drake and Josh. But he had six million Vine stars. And when we were going through the casting process, he tested and got to the end. And yes, he was a great actor. So that wasn't totally an issue. But we sort of did a study of like, if you could get one million of his six million Vine followers for network television, like that's, you're in... TV heaven now. So they did analytics and they tracked it. And you know how many of his Vine followers who watched his Vines that he made during the process, right. but we they were able to track how many Vine followers tuned in for the pilot. Do you know how many? A lot? Zero. 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 Because it wasn't his, it wasn't it's the not Vine the same platform. Star. Yeah. It That's was right. after. That's right. And it, it, so it didn't matter. Yeah. So we literally were like What's the point? Now we just need to have good actors. That's right. Play the but my whole thing was like, if you want me to find a girl who puts on makeup, who's on the TV in a scene, I'll get you the best YouTube makeup person girl. <laughs> like, and then you can have your influencer or what have you. Do you know what I mean? So like, I think there's a right spot for those people. I know I sound like an old person talking about like mine no no you don't look old at all 
<laughs> Mary Charles, stop while you're ahead. Oh my God, the youngins. Uh, but no, I think uh, so that's a good point because I think sometimes actors get a little paranoid, like, oh, they don't have millions of followers. And I think everybody should have a social media presence because you could go find someone on there and you want to see what they look like, but you can't freak out if you only have a hundred followers. It's fine. It's fine. I, I, I love that you brought up that story because it's true. It's Here's the other thing I'll say yeah. to that. Sorry to interrupt you. Like everybody should start a social media presence page. Presence. Yeah. Yeah. Thank yeah. You. It is the way of the future. Yeah. People do want to see, do not go off brand and, and, be very, very clear that you are being watched. So a political misstep, <laughs> you know, albeit how you feel or what have you, can affect life. And I, I say politics only because it's like the sort of like loudest form of like, at the moment. But like, it can be language. It can be, you know... Um, how you treat another person. You have to be very careful. And so it can be beneficial and it can be harmful. So again, know your brand, know who you are, know you, what you want to portray. Don't be inauthentic. Um, and don't freak out about the amount of followers and posting a new something every day. Like at the end of the day, if you can act, you will find the work. Yeah. Yeah, you know. that's amazing. So I just want to end with, like, what do you hear or see or experience or your conversations about, like, post-COVID and where the business is heading? I mean, the business is always changing and adapting anyway, even pre-pandemic. And I yeah. think things were becoming more self-tape generated and also regional, right? Like, um, Ash, I taught Ash, but she's based in, originally was based in South Africa. A lot of production is going to other places. So... I don't know. I don't know if you have any like stuff on the down low or some stuff might be confidential, but what do you think about? So I think there's a couple things only because I was in all those meetings up until two weeks ago, you know? Yeah. Um, the big thing is how they're going to shoot stuff on sets. You know, big crowd scenes are going to be a thing of the past. Um, um, there will be small scenes there won't be a lot of intimate scenes, I think, for a while. Um, and if there are, it'll be between, like, two people, not, like, four girls at a dinner table. You know, they're going to be rewriting stuff. Um, with that said, a lot of the the sort of protections are going to be behind the scenes as well. Limited crew people. You're going to see crew people in, like, hazmat suits, you know, um, they're gonna, I think at the start, the last conversations were like actors coming two weeks before their start and literally quarantining. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, temperature checking on sets all day long and, you know, um, stuff like that. Now, in terms of auditioning and all that stuff, like, I have cast so many people off of cell tapes. Like, you know, the story I always tell is when I was starting out as a, like an associate, watching New York tapes when you were casting a movie in LA was like something the associate had to do. And we, you know, there was never time in the day, enough time in the day. And it would be like one o'clock in the morning and you'd be like, oh fuck, I didn't watch New York tapes today. And so you'd like not watch it and be like, oh, I didn't get those tapes. But now it's like day one, New York, Vancouver, 
Toronto, London, Texas, yeah, that's you right. know, yeah. Atlanta, yeah. Chicago, yeah. like day one, there's like almost casting directors in all cities. Now yeah. I did a movie that almost finished shooting a Sylvester Stallone movie for MGM. Um, and I got like six leads from LA. Everyone else had to come from Atlanta. Again, it just depends on where you're shooting, you know, MGM never made their TV shows in Los Angeles, not one show. Um, and their movies were um, Atlanta, Calgary, Toronto. Um, so, you know, I just got word, like I got a, a, a small independent movie, two of them, but one for now. Um, from um, 1440, which is a Universal production, co- Universal Studios production company. So a movie, and it'll shoot in either, I want to say maybe South Africa, they said, or somewhere Calgary up there. So, like, I think people are going to be taking, I don't know if it'll be COVID-related or just its tax credit reasons still, which hasn't changed in a couple of years, wherever it's cheapest to make it, you know, New Mexico, Atlanta. I mean, I would say if you're somewhere close to Atlanta and don't want to get here, start making your way to Atlanta. Yeah. I mean, there's so much work in Atlanta. Yeah. Yeah. We have a school there. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I said, I think that's a great way to end. I also think, for everybody, it's also a great reminder that you can have a career from wherever you are, that you don't necessarily have to move to L.A. or New York anymore. I mean, you can if you want to move to those cities and you love those cities. But I've seen careers happen from all over the place. And you just kind of confirm that. So, um, Seth, where can people find you? I mean, not to stalk you, but just find you or keep you abreast of stuff. How do you want to handle that? <laughs> Awkward. <laughs> they have your email well they you can yes and then they can like no you know how many times people send me stuff which i'm okay with because i love actors but except their headshots i cannot do which headshot do you like better tony don't do that to me just don't do that i can't do that no here's the thing i eventually i once i like oh, i mean right now i'm sitting in my house in shorts and a nice shirt no. <laughs> uh, but like once we start uh you know you can send it to my office but Look, if there's something, get it to Anthony or someone in his office and they'll get it to me. Okay, yeah. Now, I, of, of course I love actors and, you know, I always go to the well of people that I've met or seen and try to help people who I know and who I've auditioned and, you know, you want to find roles for people who don't necessarily always get a shot from the normal avenue. So, um I don't know, Anthony, if there's a way to get me, like, a list or Yeah, for sure, yeah. You know, we'll, we, we can figure it out. But yeah. I'm not working on anything right now, so there's not really anything to get me. Yeah, maybe, you know, no other cast director has suggested that. I mean, like, they use their socials sometimes. But, like, if you guys want to send me, um, like, a headshot would be just one. I don't need 20 looks. Don't do that to me. Don't do that to Seth. One headshot per person. Send it to me and maybe one reel or a self-tape. Send it to me at assistant at anthonymile.com. I will write it in the thing. You all probably know it. And then I'll compile it and send it to Seth so he has it to, you know, you never know. Crazy things happen. 
Seth, it's really good to see you. I look forward to hugging you and maybe taking you to one of our Vancouver or Toronto schools, Canadian Let's schools do it. at some I'm point. Go Australia. I'm going to go anywhere. Okay. <laughs> I know. I miss our Aussie school. <laughs> I know. Travel, uh, traveling will be weird for a year. It's going to be weird. I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. But go have dinner with your family. And I love you, man. Thanks for coming and, um, you know, hang in there. It's going to be a whole new world and... There will be work. There will be work. Animation, Netflix, who Amazon, like they're all, there's going to be plenty of work. So I know this has been a shit time for a lot of people. I mean, this has taken down corporations. So just, you know, breathe and yeah, it's, it'll come back. It'll come back. Thanks. And, uh, vote, and vote blue. And then, it'll yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. We have to vote. We do have okay. to vote. We're doing right, silent claps, silent claps. <laughs> Appreciate it. Thanks, Seth. Love you, man. Bye. Love okay, you bye. Too. Bye. Well, kids, as usual, I love you all. Keep the faith. I don't know who my guest is next week. I've got a couple of the great people planned. Keep Thank me posted. So Only one fucking headshot or I will cut you. <laughs> I will cut you all. I'm serious Thank now. You. I already sent you six. I will put that in the trash. <laughs> all right. I love you guys. All right. Thank you, Tony. Christian, be careful on your mic. It's nighttime. All right. Arrivederci. Arrivederci. All right. Bye, you guys. Bye. Bye, you guys. For more information, visit anthonymindel.com.